You're listening to A Future and a Hope Radio with Pastor Bill Penna of Calvary Chapel Grace Fellowship in Tuxedo, New York. Join us as Pastor Bill teaches verse by verse through God's Word. The Bible tells us this will happen. Romans 1, it says they, they, not only do they not do the truth, not only do they not follow the Lord, but they hold back the truth as well. The Bible tells us this. This shouldn't be as alarming to God's people as it is. Well, he says the lack of information or intelligence is ignorance, but number two, it's also ignorance can come to ignore through a lack of enthusiasm for the truth. So part of the reason why we may be ignorant about certain things, especially the things of God, is, a, is we lack We lack an enthusiasm to say, I want to know what's true. We all know what love is, but have you ever truly experienced it in your life? All the time we say that we love things, but is it real everlasting love? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that God's love is true and waiting for you to accept it. His love is self-sacrificial, unconditional, and never changing. Let Him guide your life and experience love like you never have before. Agape love. Find life through God and love others through His mighty love. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Acts chapter 3 as he continues his message, What Do Life Changers Look Like? When Peter saw it, so Peter sees this crowd gathering, scholars say twenty to 30,000 people. He responded to the people and he said, Men of Israel. He said, Why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness that we had made this man walk? Now, if you're taking note, it's number two, very important. If you want to be a part of of the kingdom in terms of changing lives for Jesus, number two is you need to realize you are not the Christ. It's not about you. This is one of the great challenges of our day. If, If Christianity fundamentally becomes all about you, guess what it no longer is? It's not Christianity anymore. That's not the message of this book. You know, when George Barnes says only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview, that's what he's talking about. People say, I'm a Christian, but fundamentally everything they believe is not what the Bible says. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but Jesus isn't God. I'm a Christian, but no, there's many ways to heaven. I'm a Christian, but the Bible is written by man. I'm a Christian, but no, I don't believe in heaven. I'm a Christian, I don't believe in hell. It's like, well, <laughs> you know. Have you ever been to Starbucks? Yeah. You ever had a cup of coffee? No. What'd you do there? What are you talking about? Well, I used the bathroom and left. Oh, let's try. It, it, it's, it's true. You see, here, the people come to Peter and John, and Peter sees in their eyes, they're marveling. Now, why is that significant? You know, maybe you're reading this and going, well, it is marvelous. They healed this lame man. But see, Peter was there. There's always a difference between people who hear about ministry people who talk about ministry, and people that do ministry. There's always a difference. Peter was there. Jesus had just been crucified a couple months ago. It's not that far from him. He had been crucified, buried, rose from the dead. Peter denied him three times. Now he's used of God. He's going, you're looking at me? But remember, Jesus, Peter was also there before Jesus was crucified. For three years, what did Jesus go around and do? Can you guys say miracles? He did miracles. One after another after another. Now Peter and John say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He rise up and walk. And the people are going, oh, wow. And Peter's going, did you guys, were you not paying attention? You know, like, do you not know what's happening? Like Jesus has been doing this the whole time. Why are they marveling? The reason why they're marveling is because they're looking at Peter and John going, wow. 
if a man like that could have special power in his hands, maybe I do too, right? That's what's happening. They're starting to go, oh, it's like what you might see on television. You know, I had, it's, it's criminal, but you could watch this, this video of a famous quote unquote faith healer. And he's like swinging his jacket and people are flying all over the place. And then somebody went in and dubbed it, took out the jacket, put in a lightsaber and overtoned it with the voice of like Darth Vader. It is, I'm sorry, Lord, if this is wrong, I apologize, but it is hilarious. But then I th- after you stop laughing, then you start crying. Cause then you go, you know, I think one of the late night talk show hosts used it as like his entry thing. Cause it is laughable. And interestingly enough, they've done the research. They've went into these things. They're not documenting any legitimate miracles. That's what's really crazy. They're, they're not getting it. They're going, no, 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 we're not going to. No, he's not going to go to the doctor. No, 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 we're not going to check that. And now all of a sudden, it's no good. Peter and John did not say, come to me, look at me. I'm going to swing my lightsaber around. They said, why are you looking at us? It's by our own godliness and holiness, we made this man to walk. Say, it's not us. Listen, we need to realize this. A good illustration is like the reservoirs. We have these reservoirs all around our region. We are not the reservoir of power or holiness. Not one of us is. What happened with us, though, is we know the reservoir now. We've been to the reservoir. We've drunk from the reservoir. For some of us, we got smart. We said, I'm going to stop leaning over and drinking. I'm going to jump in the reservoir. I'm going to live in the reservoir. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be clean. People go, how would you get clean? It's called the reservoir. No, it's you. No, it's not. It's the reservoir. And that's what Peter and John are saying here. You know, if you're taking note, jot this down. So important, so important. John chapter one, verse 19 through 23. John 1, 19 through 23. John the Baptist, before Jesus' ministry started, he's on the scene, he's baptizing. All these people are going to the middle of nowhere, to tuxedo, let's just say, right? And they're going to the middle of nowhere to hear the gospel. And he's baptizing people and, they, and the Pharisees come. They go, you know, he says, are, are you the Christ or do we look for another? He says, I'm not the Christ. Are you one of the prophets? Nope, not the prophet. Are you the prophet? I'm not the prophet. Who are you then? And he finally told him. You know, before you and I can be used of God, honestly, before you and I can know who we are in Christ, we first have to realize what we are not. You know, one of the great challenges today is I think much of Christendom is teaching us you have to learn to become the Christ. And we live a Christian existence of perpetual disappointment. Why? Because again and again, what do we discover? I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. I'm not, he's the Christ, I'm the messenger. I'm the one that points to him, right? And it's so important. You, if you wanna be used to the Lord, especially to be a part of changing other lives, you have to know who you are and who you are not. Verse 13, watch this, it gets better. Peter's preaching, he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorify, notice here, his servant Jesus. He's gonna to point to Jesus 10 times in one message. You could listen to messages today, not hear about Jesus one time. 10 times in a short couple verses, whom you delivered up and denied. He's gonna say they denied him twice in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Verse 14, but you denied the holy one and the just and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. This is Barabbas. He's going through that account. Verse 15, and you killed the prince of life. This is the originator of life. This is the author is what the Greek means. Whom God raised from the dead of which he says, we are witnesses. I love this. Number three, if you're taking note, you want to be used of God to be a life changer. Number three is you need to realize Jesus is the author of all life. He's the author. 
The word in the Greek literally has the idea of originator. Jesus is the one that creates life. Jesus is the one that creates spiritual life. He's the one that made you born again. He's the one that creates physical life. He knits you together in your mother's womb. But the Bible goes even farther to say in Colossians that he's the one that holds all things together. He's holding it together, literally holding it together. You know, we, we've learned, you know, we've learned nuclear fusion. We've learned it. We have, we have power plants that they've learned the power that happens when you divide an atom, nuclear fusion. They've learned that power, but they still don't understand how does it hold together? They look deep, deep into it and they see it all moving. They're going, how does it hold together? The Bible says God holds it all together. You know what the Bible also says? That one day he's going to let it go. That's called the book of Revelation, right? People go, but it's kind of interesting now. We're going, God, if you loved us, you would do something. God's going, I'm pretty sure the reason why your body doesn't just decompose is because I'm holding you together. Physically, he's obviously holding us together emotionally, spiritually. It's the Lord. He's the author. And that's what he's saying here. You know, it is a sad day. And you're going to see this in the book of Acts. The apostles are willing to give their life to make sure God's people understand this, that they are simply tools in the hands of Jesus. Must. If we are to see God do a powerful move of his spirit in this day, we have to reject that other part. If you want to follow Jesus because you want to be greatly used so you can become famous, it's the wrong church for you. I'm going to be honest. It is. You're going to be so offended and you're going to end up hating me. <laughs> it happens every time. I'm like, nah, we're not going to do that. Because that's not the message, right? You know, we don't, let's say you need a heart transplant or liver transplant, kidney you know, and then the surgeon does it and you're made well. You don't go to the surgeon and go, where are you? Oh, where's the scalpel you used? I want to see the scalpel. Oh. The guy would go, all right, you finished the kidney transplant. Now we got to get you into psych ward, right? Because there's a problem. You're missing it. You know, you don't go to a carpenter after they finish renovating your house. You go, wow, what a great job. And go, can I see your hammer? Oh, hammer. It's foolishness. And the same in the kingdom, the same in the kingdom. The Bible says that they denied in the presence of Pilate. They denied the holy one and the just. They denied him. They denied him. You know, we have to realize if you're going to follow Jesus, I'm telling you, I say this loving, there are going to be people that will deny Jesus. And if you're representing Jesus, they're going to deny you. And that's okay. Peter tells them the truth here. And you killed the prince of life. You killed him, but look what happens. Verse 16, and Peter doesn't back off of this. He says, and in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith, oh, please see this, which comes through him. Peter says, not only was it not the lame man's faith that healed him, it's not even my faith. The faith that God gave me came from him, has given him this perfect soundness, in the presence of you all. Yet you, brethren, listen, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, notice here, he has thus fulfilled. Now, I want you to notice this here. Peter and John, they're preaching, and they're talking about this faith. Peter here is saying, the faith that I had to heal this man is not mine. God gave it to me. We hear the exact opposite thing when it comes to miracles in the church world today. We hear, oh, you're not healed of your sickness because you don't have great enough faith. This lame man didn't have any faith, none. All he wanted was some money. 
He didn't even have good motivations. He wasn't like, I'm going to the hour of prayer. He wasn't even going to the hour of prayer. He was just sitting outside the hour of prayer, trying to coerce money from people going to the hour of prayer. He had no faith. Then we go, well, it was Peter's great faith. Peter said, I don't have faith either. That faith came through me. It came from the Lord. Oh, it's a beautiful day when a believer realizes this. Peter says, it has nothing to do with us. And the Bible says, I know, Peter says here, I know that you did it in ignorance. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? Remember one of the things he said? We've gone over this, the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. One of the things he says, Father, what? Forgive him, why? They don't know what's going on. You know, this word ignorance has, in the Greek is agnoia. And there's two ways to be ignorant. Number one is a lack of information or intelligence. You know, we live in a day, whether you realize this or not, there is a lack of true information going forth, okay? You know, the Bible calls something, it's called false, bearing false witness. So the information that goes forth is often twisted. That's what happens. It's bearing false witness. But that's not the travesty. The travesty is the amount of information that's held back. The Bible tells us this will happen. Romans 1, it says they, they, not only do they not do the truth, not only do they not follow the Lord, but they hold back the truth as well. The Bible tells us this. This shouldn't be as alarming to God's people as it is. Well, he says the lack of information or intelligence is ignorance. But number two, it's also ignorance can come to ignore through a lack of enthusiasm for the truth. So part of the reason why we may be ignorant about certain things, especially the things of God, is, a, is we, lack, we lack an enthusiasm to say, I want to know what's true. You know, I'm uh, reading a book right now. I, I'm always reading. I mean, please, brothers, sisters, I love you. I mean, I got saved. I never really read a book till the Bible. Now I read all the time. You know why? Because you need to. And you need to read good stuff. I'm reading this book. It's fantastic. It's about American history. Dun, 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 dun. Listen to this. This is going to be shocking to you. Too much information is not presented today, the author says. And often too many conclusions are wrongly assumed from the little that is seen. For example, while students in school learn early on that the first load of slaves sailed up the James River in Virginia in 1619. You're probably hearing the 1619 Project. Thus, slavery was introduced into America. But listen, few learn that, that similar slave ships that same time brought these first slaves that arrived in the Massachusetts colony, set up by Christian pilgrims and Puritans. When those slave ships arrived in Massachusetts, the ship's officers were arrested, imprisoned, and the kidnapped slaves were returned to Africa at the colony's expense. That side of history is untold. I mean, how many of you knew that? Right? Very few will know that. You know, I was reading about Frederick Douglass, the slave who escaped slavery from the South. He escaped to New York. He was educated, began to read. He read the Constitution. And what's amazing is how so many in our day say the Constitution of America is an anti-slave document. And then this guy, Frederick Douglass, who escaped, he gets educated, reads the Constitution. He says, this is our emancipation. This is real. And you know what they use today? to say the Constitution is a pro-slave document is this three-fifths clause. Well, they say in the Constitution, and it's true, in the Constitution, there is a provision that a slave to vote is only worth three-fifths of a man. And you go, well, that says it all. No, no, you have to actually learn these things. We have to get the information. You see, what happened at that time was, and this is gonna really shock you, this is not a political statement. I'm just giving you facts from the past. The the Democratic Party, who were the slave owners, especially in the South and in the North, just so you know, uh, they were actually going to Africa, taking people, bringing them here, and then counting them 
as people in the South and then sending more delegates to Congress to vote for more pro-slave laws. So when the founders wrote the Constitution, they said, no, no, no. We're not going to allow you to continue to do this. A slave's going to be three-fifths because we're not going to allow you to keep stealing people from their, their homelands and doing this. This is going to really shock you. Everybody now, if you have a seatbelt, buckle it because it's going to be tough. You ready for this one? Because you're not learning this stuff in school. They're saying other things. This is the challenge. At this time, you had the Democratic Party. You had the Whigs. You had these other goofy named parties in America. And from amongst all these parties rose up a group of people, predominantly born-again Christians, who says we, they were already fighting slavery. Slavery existed on the entire planet at this time, just so you know. They were already fighting it. And out from all these people rose up a group of people to fight this. You know what they became called? The Republican Party. You're going, I've never seen that on the news. Yeah, no kidding. One of the first men that spoke actually in Congress, he spoke for two days on anti-slavery. When he got down, the, the, the Democrat governor from South Carolina, when he got into the foyer, beat him with a club so severely, he almost died. He was, he was actually, took him two and a half years to recover. You know, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, right? It's, it, it's not about, please don't leave and go, wow, Pastor Bill's never been so political. No, no, I'm telling you factual information. There was a group of people in this country that in order to have political power were stealing people from other countries to vote. It's all, it's here. And Peter now, he's talking, whether you know this or not, Jesus Christ wasn't crucified by the lame and the broken. He was crucified by religious and political leaders who wanted control and power. That's who crucified him. That's who's coming against Peter and John. And they're, you know what Peter and John didn't do? And they start all arguing politics. You know what they did? They preached the gospel. They preached it pretty strong, though. That's the thing. They went right after him. They said, listen, God foretold this. You should know this. And look what Peter says now, verse 19. He says, repent. Can you guys say repent? That's it. Peter says, listen, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I kind of am. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Why? That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Listen, note takers, jot it down. Number four, life changers. People are used of God to change other lives. Number four, they call people to repentance. You have to. Peter doesn't look at him and go, I know you guys just crucified Jesus. I know you're religious and living in sin and going to attack the person of Jesus Christ and people's lives changing, but that's okay. No, he says, you need to repent. You know, one of my favorite movies, it's probably is my favorite, honestly. I don't want to get a bunch of hats now, but anyways, it's Indiana Jones and Alaska. How many of you guys like that? I mean, it's just so great. I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, you know, Indiana Jones. You're going to be like, where's Pastor Bill? Oh, there he is. Oh, right. I just love it. I do. I can't lie. But it's so funny. The whole movie is the premise is they're going to get the Holy Grail, like the cup that Jesus drank from at the communion meant anything. But anyways, so they get it and then they find that they're leaving the, the temple place. You know, it's, it's amazing. And uh, as they're leaving, the other archaeologist, she tries to take it across and the ground erupts and the thing opens up and she falls down. He's holding onto her hand and she's reaching, remember? And there's the cup there. And he's like, no, 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 reach back up. I can't, get, can't hold you much longer. She keeps reaching, right? And what ends up happening? She slips out of the glove, right? You know, that's what repentance is. 
Like if we tell people, listen, you can have the world and have sin and all that, but you could also have Jesus and it'll be fine. We're not doing them any favors. You know why? Because their hand is slipping out of the glove as we speak. It's not true. You know, Jesus loves us so much. He tells us the truth. The wages of sin is death. You know, I love my kids so much. If they put themselves in a dangerous position, I love them so much. Not only am I going to tell them it's dangerous, I'm also going to call them to repentance. It may not sound like that, but I'm going to say, you're not going to do that anymore. And if you continue to do it, then there's going to be consequences attached. Why? Not because I loved all. Oh, I love to bring consequence. I'm like, I don't like it at all. You know, I don't like to do much at all. You know, to be honest, I don't. But I have to because I love them. And the same thing here, Peter says, repent. And then notice the next word, he says, and be converted. You know, I remember one gal at a, uh, many years ago at the place I was working, we were talking and she goes, you're trying to convert me, aren't you? And I laughed so hard. It was so funny. You know, and I didn't even barely know what it means. I'm like, well, I guess, I don't know. But I looked at, I, I did a little research. You know what the word convert means? It means what happened in our lives was God created us in original form. It was good. He loves us. But then we got twisted. You know, the Bible says we, are in, we have iniquity inside of us. We have a twisted nature. The word, so, so to get born again is exciting. It's miraculous to get baptized. But then the Lord says, it's just as big of a miracle for me to actually change you after you're saved, right? And that's called conversion, where that twisted nature, what God does is he's so powerful, he can twist it back to its right form. That's what the Lord's doing. That's what he's doing in your life and my life. You know, you didn't just get saved and then go, that's it, I'm good. I got fire insurance, I'm out of here. Right now you're, you're being converted. And he says, repent, be converted. Your sins are blotted out. They're dealt with. You're no longer worried about your sin. Satan might come and go, remember what you did. You were so, oh, you think God loves you. He just say, Jesus, beat him up, you know, handle him, Lord. And why is this? Peter says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Only the Lord, only his presence can bring that refreshing you and I are looking for. It's only Jesus. It's only him. What a day. Times of refreshing. You know, I'd ask you, uh, even as your pastor, pray for me. You know, I need prayer. You know, I see one thing I see happening and, you know, whenever I get to go away to these conferences, it's always very enlightening and helps me see things clear. You know, I can get so busy in ministry, so busy doing things for the Lord. I think the Lord's going, wow, you're doing so much for me. I'd really like to spend some time with you, though, you know. Pray that. I need that. Times of refreshing. That's where we get refreshed. And look what Peter says next. Let's move on. He says, and, and that he may send Jesus Christ. He's talking about the second coming. Who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive Notice here, until the times of restoration of all things. Now listen, if you have your pen, circle that word restoration. Your Bible may say restitution. Many in churches today, many Christians today have begun to believe this doctrine. They call it annihilationism. Annihilationism, where they believe that heaven is real, but hell is not. Now listen, I wouldn't be doing you a service to lie to you. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. The Bible is clear on this in the book of James. God says, I created hell for Satan and his demons. You've been listening to A Future and a Hope Radio with Pastor Bill Penna. The message you just heard is just one from a series in the book of Acts. What an exciting book this is, don't you think? You don't need to stop studying it today. We encourage you to keep reading and keep learning all that God has for you. 
If there's anything you heard today that you're unsure about or that you just want more information on, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to give us a call at 845-915-3445. That's 845-915-3445. You can also listen to today's teaching again at our website, ccgfchurch.org. Going to our website gives you an in-depth idea of what we're all about, and you'll be able to visit us this weekend for worship. We'd love to meet you if you're in the Hudson Valley area. So head over there now. That's ccgfchurch.org. Another way to stay connected with us is to download our church app so you have Pastor Bill's teachings with you as well as daily devotionals. We hope you'll find that option useful and encouraging. Well, our time with you today is up, but please come back again to hear more from the Book of Acts on a future and a hope radio.